Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli, watch one episode of Buffy Week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to Buffy Virgin, a spoiler-free Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking about being yelled at by professors with Season 5, Episode 12, Checkpoints. I'm your host, Monster Expert Dennis St. John. Uh, why don't you guys introduce yourself from most to least likely to pass my test. And it's a test of Buffy knowledge. Oh, okay. All right. Hi, I'm Travis. I'm probably most likely to pass the, pass the test, although John will give me a strong run for the money. Uh, yeah, I'm John. I think I might do middlingly on a uh, Buffy knowledge test. And my name is Michael. I would do the worst because I have not finished watching Buffy. I am the virgin. I've only seen up to season five, episode 12, Checkpoint. All right. Yeah, we are excited to talk about this episode. But first, let's dive into our in- the intense reactions to uh, Full for Love, which was, uh, I believe, season five, episode, uh, what, nine or ten? Audience reactions. Uh, we had uh, uh, some more controversial uh, opinions this week, um, starting with uh, Melissa Murphy said, uh, The whole time Mike was complaining about the ending and how it didn't fit, I was screaming at my my computer. The episode itself justified the ending by showing who William the Bloody was before he became the vampire and was was the spike we know now. Uh, Sorry. Uh, Yes, he is a soulless vampire. So yes, most of his actions slash behaviors come from an evil place, but most of the spike persona we, we now know is a front to mask his insecurities and also his empathetic also is empathetic and softer, vulnerable side. The last scene was those traits coming out in him, something we don't see too often, but uh, has shown up before with Drew a little bit. It uh, perfectly fits with Spike, with who Spike is and how he would be able to, how he would be capable of uh, both being soulless creep and an empathetic character. Um. You want to keep going or do you want to? Yeah, yeah, please, please uh, keep going here. I mean, I, I'm not going to be bullied into having other people's opinions, but I, I really appreciate how different, uh, how, how interesting people, um, how different the Hicks were that we saw. Uh, Silver Spike quotes, I kind of don't like this ending. Dot, dot, dot. Dear God, you're serious, aren't you? Lol. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, keep, keep a neg- Nagoyi. Uh, says how to completely misread the character in the episode dedicated to, uh, dedicated to reveal everything about him. Spike is not interested in murdering a slayer. He wants the ultimate challenge. That's the difference between him and other soulless vampires, in particular, Agilus. But you didn't talk about that scene at all. Um, and over on Twitter, Silver, who I think is Silver Spike, um, I posted like, oh, controversial opinions this week. And Silver responded, really? 
It's just a few folks surprised by how you saw this episode and its underlying theme. If you think that's controversial, then just count yourself lucky you weren't around and had been in the fandom when the show first aired. Lol. Um, I think that's kind of misreading. I said, I was saying like, oh, we had some controversial opinions, not people are reacting to us controversially, Um, but that's fine. But I just want to shout out that most of us were in the fandom when it first aired, but um, that's fine. It's fine read. Uh, The only only person who wasn't was Mike. So everyone else has been a fan. So we had some very strong reactions to Mike's um, Spike opinions. But I want to say this is the episode where we forgot to record audio. I mean, video and the entire episode, we are puppets created by John and nobody made a comment about that. Listen, that's not a problem. That's not a, that's not a deal breaker. I, that was like, amazing. In real, <laughs> in real life. Oh, we lost Mike for a second. Oh, um, yep. He's we're going to puppet fire him. Don't worry. We'll puppet fire him. <laughs> in, in real life, time. like my friend Alina was watching on YouTube and was just watching it on a different screen. Didn't. So like just flipped over for a second and wasn't aware that we were puppets and screamed out loud. Uh, <laughs> I was so jealous. I missed the episode because I did not get a puppet made of me. So John I promised he would puppet me later. You should. Uh, John's uh, John did a really good and strange job. He sent me in the background of Buffy's uh, bedroom, mm-hmm. which also freaked out uh, some of my, a friend of mine who was like, it was really unsettling. You were just like in somebody's unmade, somebody else's unmade room. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I don't have too much to comment. I've already kind of said what I feel about that episode, you know, and I think for people who have seen it, I think you have a sense of what's going to happen next, you know, and I, I don't. But for me, seeing uh, Spike go from shotgun in hand, ready to murder Buffy to, you know, like being the empathetic shoulder to cry on is a crazy move. And it works on television because it's a good, like, um, unanticipatable, you know, twist. But I think as far as like a character, like make Spike seem completely untrustworthy and like I you it would make sense if he tried to kill Buffy at the end of the episode because he's talked about murder and then had some challenges. But for him to just drop the shotgun and go to the shoulder without like being beaten first or has some other moment feels off to me. Um, I, I don't know. I, I get what people are saying here about, you know, his um, his his vulnerable side. We definitely see parts of the vulnerable side in his backstory, but it's more focused on the Slayer murder. Buffy wants to know about Slayer, how Slayers are killed so that she can try and prolong her life. And it would make sense to end with an attempt on her life, at least. And I, I think because the opposite happens, then we're all you're, you're we're all satisfied with that conclusion. But I I, I just, th- you know, this we have the sense that TV is this like ongoing forever show. And so I think if this was a more concise storytelling, it would end with Spike being killed. And this would be his last episode. But it's not because. It's TV storytelling. And I think that's where my frustration comes from is like, I, I would like stories to be more concise, short tales. And instead, they're these long relations with characters. I mean, that's where, you know, this this show continually defies my expectations of a show where I expect characters stories to end and then they don't. They keep going. So uh, anyway, I, I think you're all right. You're all wonderful people. Um, you know, <laughs> I have a different opinion about this right now. I'm I'm eventually going to love Spike because I have to because the show society is going to continue to be on the show. And you don't have I, to you don't have to love Spike, Mike. I've got two more years with Spike at least. I assume he's he's going to be there till the end of season seven. He could um, get dusted any episode now. You have I no idea. I assume he's going to be on Angel a two. So like, I I'm I'm going to be wrong about Spike. I'm going to be wrong about Darla. 
<laughs> These characters are going to be around forever. <laughs> okay, okay, so Daryl's getting killed. Got it. Uh, John, do you have anything to say about... Uh... Uh, maybe not. I, I think, you know, this is um, this is maybe not the episode I was thinking of, uh, but I do want to talk more about Spike's character as we get into it. And uh, I, I do feel like for at least for myself, there's a there's a lot going on with Spike's character as far as what is an antihero and to what extent do we uh, as adults feel comfortable identifying with the antihero types uh, in the same way that we did when we were teenagers. I think my auntie is a hero. <laughs> Sorry. Right, let's talk about uncle heroes. <laughs> All right. Uh why don't we move on to the summary? The summary. Ah, you're here. We can begin the summary at last. There isn't gonna be a summary. Excuse me. No review, no recap, no quips, puns, or raps. And no callbacks you know I can't remember. And no interruptions. There is going to be the return of the Watchers Council, a home invasion, and some medieval knights. And then, in the end, when everything seems hopeless, there's going to be a profound and rousing speech that shifts the balance of power and gets the heroes what they need. So, because you're the listener, and without a show, you're pretty much listening to paint dry... I'm fairly certain I said no interruptions. I'm going to stop now, because I think you can understand me. But first, I need you to politely laugh, and then we'll move on to the next segment. All right. Uh, thank you. It was good. Uh, so <laughs> let's go into Great Lines. Great Lines. Okay, so I really enjoyed uh, when uh, I think it's Tara says, are you sure they're English? I thought English people were gentler than normal people. <laughs> uh, excellent, uh, as I am surrounded by English people every day. Uh, I think that's generally true. <laughs> I think it's a weird, like, you know, they were a conquering empire. I think it's a weird attitude yeah, to ask, have. Ask the, ask the people from <laughs> India how gentle the British are. Fair enough. Or, or South Africa. <laughs> uh, I love the line by Joyce when she steps into Spike's place. I love what you've um, uh, neglected to do with the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love Joyce and Spike scenes. They're not often, but they're always good. <laughs> they're so good. Um, I, of course, love Buffy's speech at the end. Everyone's lining up to tell me how unimportant I am. And I finally figured out why. Power. I have it. They don't. This bothers them. Iconic moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought about putting in uh, every single Anya line this episode. But I, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, man, I think I've done Anya quotes like three episodes in a row now. Um, so I am actually going to do a glory quote. You might be tiny queen in, queen in vampire world. You still think it's neat having slayer strength. Ooh, big deal. Stronger than humans. <laughs> Who isn't? <laughs> <laughs> so good. All right. Uh, let's do the kill count before we jump in. The kill count. We had uh, one vampire staked by Spike. One brain drain. 
and three medieval knights get whomped. All right, let's move on to weird noticings and trivia. Weird noticings. All right. Uh, so at the beginning, I say, um, at some point, uh, should somebody, probably Willow, have told Tara about the three years before she joined the team? <laughs> just like explain the backstory a little. Yeah, she's just always confused in meetings. Like, wait, why yeah. are people having a strong reaction to the Watchers Council? Like, yeah, she's a bit of a bohe virgin, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did anybody else notice uh, Dawn's donut pajamas? Uh, I did. She has these I, excellent I, donut print pajamas. So <laughs> it makes me like there's like a, I have like a little bit of a headcanon going on where like there was one Christmas where Joyce got both the daughters uh, pajamas where she got the donut pajamas and then Buffy got the sushi pajamas. Yeah, me Same sushi. year for Christmas. Yeah. I think that would have been really cute. Mm. <laughs> it's cute. I was thinking like, oh, the summer's women have similar tastes <laughs> in pajamas. Food themed um, pajamas. In that same thing scene, I noticed on the stairs of the Summers house, there's a series, there's a photograph series of doors uh, that looks very similar to a photo series that Travis's mom just <laughs> bought from John's dad, uh, which is in our group chat. Uh, just thought it was interesting. Uh, I don't know if we want to do a side by side comparison for the YouTube or not. Oh man, Johnny, you want to? You can screen grab. I could, yeah, yeah. I screen could. Grab. Uh, credit where credit's due. I think. Uh, I believe all while my dad did, did the processing and printing on those photos. I think his partner actually took them. Uh, his partner Vicky is the actual photographer there. Okay, my mom loved. My mom loves the uh, the artwork that she got from the, the yeah the, the door series is really cool. Yeah, it's super cool. Printing's so. important too. I feel like that's got to be a that's a well code. printing and framing too because yeah. she bought it all. He he had it all framed already. So um, yeah, he does yeah. a lot by hand. I think. <clears throat> so if you're in Dayton, Ohio, go to the farmers markets <laughs> and look for someone who looks like John plus thirty years. <laughs> with your dad still rocking the sweet mustache? Oh, he you does know, have a mustache. His yeah, his his facial hair kind of evolves over time. I'm actually not sure where he's at at this particular moment. Okay. Oh, sure. This is super interesting for people. Who are <laughs> just letting people, people know. are here for I, Buffy. I may cut this this section <laughs> yeah. way down. My dad, by the way, only has a mustache these days. Oh, no I can't weird. even imagine what that looks like. <laughs> Michael, uh, dad, facial hair update. Yeah. Uh gosh, I think he's. Uh, Your dad has had a mustache for a long time, Mike. Yeah, I think he's pretty clean shaven these days. And my, my dad's clean shaven too these days. All right. These days. Has been for a while. I'm glad we had this chat, fellas. I love it. I love it. This is why <laughs> it's we're Buffy Virgin facial hair dad update. No, it's it's yeah, it's called Father's Stash. This section. That doesn't sound I think right. this could be a that whole does. new podcast. <laughs> I think men relating about their dads could definitely be a podcast. Oh no, my god, right, the dad yeah. cast. <laughs> Call it dad jokes or something like that. <laughs> I told Maybe you there's a podcast called Dungeons and Daddies that is somehow not a like BDSM podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's yeah, and this ours would be about dads who aren't dads, right? So it's like it's literally about our dads, right? <laughs> and not about becoming dads. Dungeons and Daddies are they daddies? Yeah, I mean they're um, they're parents. They're fathers. Parents, yes. Real <laughs> real life fathers, not real daddies. life daddies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe they're real life barbarians role playing as dads. Ooh. 
I like that. Yeah. Uh, all right, sorry. Uh, Glory has a second minion this episode. Uh, I think that's the first expansion we've seen of her team. Who is brutally assaulted by Ben, who gives such great advice. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. still some open wounds there. Uh. Like, yeah, Ben can't be bothered without assaulting someone. Like, Glory is already assaulting these guys. It's like everyone's got to get their punches in. They're lumpy for a reason. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense for her to, like, assault that postal worker, given that, like, that's basically a minion of the U.S. government. So just like anytime there's a minion, they're in trouble. Did it really bother anyone else how there's going to be all this undelivered mail? <laughs> no, I have I'm no like, civic response, sense of civic responsibility. So no, I, uh, I did freeze like, frame and try to zoom in and read the mail. Some of it is a uh, <laughs> uh, junk mail trying to get you to switch from AT&T to presumably Sprint, but I don't know. I'm glad we have you here for the details. <laughs> uh, so uh, how about those professors at uh, UC Sunnydale? They're the worst, huh? Oh, my God. It's the worst. <laughs> She's like, uh, hello, excuse me. I'm a student who's uh, clearly done all of the reading and is curious and uh, is developing my own thoughts. Shut up, you crazy, <laughs> stupid girl. Shut down that woman. Shut her down. Also, this is like a big stadium class. This is yeah. like. You know, I don't know how many people are in attendance, but it's like the 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 large, big one hundred and one classrooms. Yeah, and somebody like just mutters something. You see Sunnydale, by the way, (laughs) and somebody just like mutters something. Somebody's just like, "Mm, interesting, and he's like, wait, 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 who interrupted my class? (laughs) Stand up, stand up, so I can ridicule ridicule you. He also knew her first and last name, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the professors at UC Sunnydale that we know was the the pop culture professor who was also did exactly this to Buffy. Uh, this, this guy in the history class and then it's, uh, uh, professor monster maker. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're all terrible. They're all like kind of abusive of their students. God, I bet Buffy cannot wait until she gets out of the one (laughs) ones. Well, think what the two Oh two Oh ones are going to be like, brother. (laughs) This is like such bad propaganda, but also for professors who probably think this is how they should treat students. Like you probably have to like do this a few times where you're like, huh? That was really shitty of me. I'm going to stop. But like, because I, I feel like this is a trope in films, this like kind of condescending professor. Yeah. I mean, like, do you want to teach the class? Jeez. <laughs> That's a classic. I, as a teacher, I've been tempted to say that on multiple occasions. Well, like you don't. You restrain yourself because you're no, a I, good No, I try person. not to. Yeah, try not to. Oh, would you like to teach the class? Yeah. Do you have well, something to add? Amazing, Larry. <laughs> Also, like, if you actually do have, like, a combative student and you say, well, do you want to teach the class? You are setting them up for some class clownery right there. You're, like, just, like, setting the joke up, which you shouldn't do. Uh, John, I think you have a technical question here. Yes, I'm sorry. So I'm curious. So with all of the... with all the threats to uh, Giles' green card, uh, I'm curious, who sponsored Giles' visa in the first place? Because it would be really unusual, I think, and I don't know, I mean, I only know switching countries the other direction. I don't know how easy it would have been back then for a UK citizen to get uh, to get a visa to live in the United States, but um, the high school, I would imagine, would not sponsor it. That would be weird. But... Uh, 
don't and, know. A, well, and a green card is actually different from just a visa. Like a green card is, is actually better. It's permanent. And, yeah. It's yeah. permanent. Yeah. So it's like less revocable right. from what I can. So they didn't even use the right terminology because you can tell the writers are American and they didn't have to obtain a visa in order to write <laughs> for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So they only kind of knew what they were talking about. Well, I mean, it's kind of like a military secret project, right? The kind of thing that Giles is on. So there's probably like some special expedited service for military folks. Yeah, I'm sure the Watchers Council set it up to begin with, which is yeah. like why they can revoke it, right? Yeah. Anyway. Speaking of the Watchers Council. Oh, yeah. The Watcher Council. I don't know if this is the right place to do this, but why not for now? They're a lazy, hot mess. <laughs> and I, I'm, I mean, love what happens later in this episode. I think Buffy's right on with this. But uh, gosh, the way they kind of like barge in-ish, start going through all of Giles's things and like start throwing shade at everybody. Like they're a mess. And we haven't seen or heard from them in a season or two on this show. They were on Angel. Like I, I just can't. I was so angry with them. I mean, I assume everybody is because yeah. like, what are they here for? And like, maybe they have a tip or two about glory. Great. Let's get to it. Uh, man, I just, I was so, so ready for them to be gone. And when Buffy, you know, gets her fantastic comeuppance, um, and like an establishment of her power at the end, it's so, it feels so good. So deserved. I feel like this is the Watcher Council really laid bare for what it is. I mean, I, I get like how maybe, you know, in the movie and then earlier in the show, there was a different sense of what the Watcher Council is, but like the writing on this is so good. It's so right onto what the Watcher Council, uh, like is and what it's what it's trying to do um anyway i just love it but they're men they're a mess yeah they're such dicks <laughs> uh that whole thing uh where they're like the i don't know if you understand how this works the council fights evil the slayer is their instrument you're like that has not like fuck you <laughs> that, i mean they've barely been implemented in the show as to that purpose right and then you know, for them to come in and then it's like what they have the interviews with all of her friends and then they want to do another test because they already did one test where they tried to kill Buffy. They're mm-hmm. going to do another test. And the test, the whole function of the test seems to be to try and kill Buffy. All, But also, I mean, I think as Buffy states and as Travis pulled from that quote, right, it's like to diminish her and so that she'll be subservient to them because she'll feel inadequate. Right. Or, or, or dead, which would be fine with them because then they can train a new slayer, a younger slayer and maybe... Yeah get better training in so that they're, she's more yeah. subservient. So really, I feel like their goal is to kill Buffy because they like oh, yeah. need a slayer under their, like under their thumb again. Uh, Trav, I just wanted to highlight what you said. Yeah. I was, I was saying, I feel like Mike should be redeemed because the show does still treat the council. Like it's a big, bad organization that everyone is afraid of. Even though it seems very silly to me that anyone would be afraid of the watchers council. <laughs> Well, clearly, they can like fuck you up with. Well, uh, I was like, they can they can kill you with the stroke of a pen. They're they're no one's better than than them at at bureaucracy or something. I'm like, they are terrible. They haven't contacted you in two years since since they fired you. They his idea of them being great at bureaucracy doesn't really hold much water. I mean, I don't know. I believe it because they're British. It's like. Um, <laughs> It's like yeah. that line in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to, the, Guide to the Galaxy where he's like, I'm British. I know how to cue. It's like <laughs> part of the national character for sure. 
Uh, I just wanted to point out the intense scene where Giles is so worked up he overcleans his glasses. Yeah, that was good acting. I, that was a great little character. Of Very cleaning good. his glasses properly. <laughs> you know what that was? That was really good prop work. That good. was prop good prop work. <laughs> prop work. Shout out to the prop work. So the the Slayer interview sequence where they're cutting back and forth between you know Tara and uh, Willow and uh, for Xander and Anya. These are great mm-hmm. scenes. I yes. loved those scenes. They're really fun character moments, but uh, just the the questions like how useful are you to the Slayer and like everyone coming up with pretty short is like wonderful and hilarious. And the specificity of some of their questions are great too. Um, yeah, I, I just really enjoyed those sequences. I thought Xander was going to bring up his like military knowledge as a skill, but <laughs> did not come up. He does. He really undersells himself. <laughs> like, he's did like, he I was useful this one time. Or does he not? Or do they want to kind of play dumb and not bring those things up because they want Buffy to seem awesome? So like you kind of get that vibe where they're like, oh, we're definitely not useful. <laughs> no, no, she's amazing. Yeah, yeah. especially Anya. <laughs> It's like I don't hold a I don't hold a cotton to that demon nonsense. Uh, oh yeah, I love all her quotes during this. There's the one like uh, where she's what? like, "Born on the Fourth of July, and don't you think we there weren't jokes about that my whole life, Mister? Because there were. Who's a little patriot? They'd say when I was younger and therefore smaller and shorter than I am now. <laughs> but I love her name is super long. It was like yeah. uh, it was something so long. Is uh, Anya Christina Emmanuel Jenkins. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good. And I uh, during the scene with uh, Willow and Tara, that watcher interviewing them is doing some really crazy world building where he's like, you know, he's like, what level of magical proficiency are you? Which is like, is this is this Hogwarts now? Are these owls? And they're like, are you registered with like, whatever like witch council like like what is going on these little weird throwaway lines where you're building up like the unit the buffy verse in like weird crazy ways and apparently watchers have theses i feel like that's new information uh we knew that there were that wesley was head boy at watcher academy right Uh, so much weird stuff yeah the world building's crazy a level five that's just like a great guess in general like it's not so low that you think you're like a wuss, but it's not like, I mean, you're not saying I, you're a 10. Yeah. yeah. But also it's like, are the levels logarithmic is level two, <laughs> 10 times greater than one, or is it just one time greater? So many unanswered questions. Are these, are they like earthquake powers? Yeah. Yeah. How is it? <laughs> Tara's decisive lie going in at five is great. Just yeah. like, sounds like average right in the middle. That's where we're at. And she sounds like so confident. Level five. Like the when 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 Amber Benson said level five. <laughs> Good acting. I wonder uh, what else Amber Benson. Wonder has what done. Else she's, I wonder what she's been up to lately. Well, she was just in the Nightmare Gallery, which she was just released, which we watched, uh, but we can talk about on a separate spoiler cast. Or not. Oh, I was gonna say, so I was just thinking how Glory found Buffy. I bet she used a phone book. Yeah, we we know she has one. Yeah. So it's like. Although, yeah, she tears pages out of them. So they're one time uses for her. That's true. The phone book becomes less useful the longer she's on the show. (laughs) The more pages that are ripped out. Listen, 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 listen. If Marty McFly can get away with it. (laughs) Oh, John, how are the phone books in the UK? 
Are they more useful than the U.S.? Well, it turns out that not only do I live in the U.K., but I live in the 21st century, so uh, I have no idea. <laughs> you haven't gotten one dropped off yet? No, I don't, I don't think there are any. I don't think they do them anymore. Okay. The more that you know. <laughs> Does this technology still exist? Find out. On a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. <laughs> that, that, that landlines are, are more common over here. People tend to more likely to have landlines. What about credit card usage or versus cash? Uh, about the same, but we have uh, um, contactless payments. That's really common now. You yeah. Tap, tap on your thing. Everybody does that. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I love that glory Buffy scene. Oh, I think the tension in that scene good. is so good. Like, you know how tough glory is you know they could wreck that house just wreck it um and glory's confidence in that scene like i know it comes out that she's a god but i was writing down predictions and i'm not i'm just going to share this one but like i thought this i'm not putting in there because i know it's not true now because it's god but i was like i think glory is a dragon just like that (laughs) attitude like as acting direction if you said glory you're a dragon play a dragon like i feel like that would work because she's kind of like super confident and crazy yeah. and i feel like if someone told me to play a dragon i could i could roll with that as a glory character and also with the freaking knights coming after her i was like mm-hmm. okay this is this is some dragon stuff but uh, <laughs> anyway anyway it's just a wonderful it's a scene guess. i like it she could be a dragon god uh, i even like i think her acting is really good because even some of like she even even some of the more cliched lines she plays off in like great interesting ways yeah. Like she has the line of like, if I'd wanted, if I'd want to fight, you'd be dead by now. But she says it in this way. Like she's just like figuring weird shit out. Like she's the first person to ever say it, you know? Uh, uh, yeah, why don't we do, go? Sorry. I was going to say dead. Do you guys notice that when uh, Buffy brings her entire family over to Spike's place, that really creepily that the Buffy mannequin is visible in the background? Yeah, this is one of the reasons I like having you on, John, is yeah. like, I never <laughs> have to like be the one to, I, I never have to be like, oh, I should make a note of that. I know you're always going to. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah. I think the mannequin's also on its back. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like creepy. staring straight up at the ceiling. Yeah. Uh, yep. That's creepy. Um, and gosh, I think we already talked about the, the, the Joyce and Spike relationship, how fun that is. But the like. Just the transition from this place is creepy to, oh, you're watching Passions and then opinions <laughs> about Passions, which, you know, like, I don't know the show, so I can't vet the quality of those opinions, but like, or how hot those takes are. But uh, that was, that's really fun and delightful because Spike is like his, has the taste of an old woman in some ways. <laughs> uh, I love that. I, oh, sorry, old, middle-aged, middle-aged. I don't want to sell Joy short. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They've historically just always gotten along. Like... Even when Angel was good and Spike was bad, she still preferred Spike. Uh. Angel doesn't really have hobbies. He doesn't really have an interest. He likes yeah, to brood. <laughs> yeah, how do you relate to someone's brooding? You're like, let's not talk and like, you know, lean against a wall together. He <laughs> likes to fire all of his friends and punch stuff. What, do you, what are your hobbies? I'm into home brood. <laughs> I stay home and I brood. <laughs> Yeah, there's not much to relate to Angel about unless you're like, I'm also on a redemption arc. Yeah, I, I did some <laughs> fucked up things. <laughs> he really like, does have just the one thing, and it's the redemption arc. I mean, you could go to a Narcotics Anonymous meeting and find some like friends on a similar arc. 
Okay, uh, the Knights of Byzantium. They're great. Love them. They're a weird thing to intro because uh, you assume it's a Watcher Council test the way it's set up. Like, Buffy's late. Well, she's always going to be late because she's going to be attacked by the Watcher Council dressed as knights. Uh, and then it's a completely new character. And they're like, we're going to send thousands of you of us to destroy you uh, to destroy the key. I love it. I love this weirdness. I like they have strange tattoos, which I didn't, you know, get enough time to look at. But I assume we'll come back. These forehead tattoos. So you basically can only be a knight if you're in this thing. Yeah. Wear the helmet. <laughs> How do you think they recruit in the 21st century? Because they're like, we have a thousand. You're like, because this is, I can understand now, like this recruiting happening through 4chan. But this is like, <laughs> <laughs> this is before that. I just, I, mean, I think it's just like. Typical cult inflating their numbers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you recruit the same way that the U.S. government recruits through military. Like you start young, get someone when they're 12, 13, show them some cool stuff. Maybe like a, an old manuscript take with a titty it, Take them to a renaissance fair. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Ren fairs. Oh my that's God, exactly. that's that's their purpose. It's not really to... <laughs> they're recruiting instruments, yeah. <sighs> that's such a good idea, Dennis. <laughs> Ren fair recruitment to some sacred order. That's great. I love it. Is it you know, does, I, is, does the story work one. like Last Starfighter? Where like you're just really <laughs> good at the yes, It's exactly like Last yeah. Starfighter. Uh, I've uh, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but my office mate uh, was a knight at a Renaissance fair for like years, and um, he actually just recently found uh, a clip from a movie he was in with um, Mickey Rourke, where he like was a knight like running around Brooklyn or um, Harlem. Uh, <laughs> For like one scene of a guy being like dying and he's hallucinating um, uh, cops becoming knights. And he's the <laughs> he's the knight. It was a weird scene. Cool. Uh, sorry, Which that Mickey Rourke movie fun. is that where cops become knights? It's I think is it's that the Terry Gilliam Mickey Rourke movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's called like Heart's Blood or something. OK, so it's a. Uh, yeah, deep cut. Got it. Yeah. John, I'm sorry, this is a dumb aside. Maybe we can cut this, but uh, what are the Ren fairs like in Europe? And I have, have no idea. One? Oh, okay. I haven't gotten onto that yet. Please I've been it. there. Please do it. Real good. <laughs> if you could have a Ren fair in an actual castle, oh man. There are castles. <laughs> so uh, it, it um, there's a lot of uh, mocking of uh British stereotypes in this in this episode, which I am generally totally down for. Uh, but uh, Xander does like say something about being like exiled to the land of blood sausages and bangers and mash, which like, let's be real. Those foods are delicious. Like blood sausage or like black pudding is I think is really good. I kind of get that that's not for everybody. <laughs> but like bangers and mash is, you know, little sausages and mashed potatoes. Like, tell me who doesn't like that. You know, you can have a veggie sausage if that's your thing. But like sausages and mashed potatoes, come on. I'm just saying he's all he's from California. We have delicious food here. That's true. No, you're no, not no, going to get like an ahi tuna taco. <laughs> uh, well, that's true. I do. I mean, you can tell miss Mexican food. You can tell it's just before lunchtime if you're like, you know, re- referring to the, the food as like the curse or whatever. Like, <laughs> I mean, if you describe a place by its food, no place is going to seem bad except for prison. <laughs> Prison will seem pretty bad. <laughs> oh, yeah, the place of the free lunch. You know what I'm talking about? Prison. Okay. All right, no one's coming with me here. That's fine. 
But uh, that, that's the place where I assume food is the worst. We can just describe it like you're at a hobby craft store. I'm losing it on this camera. At least you can get, you know, ramen from the com- from the store. Oh, the commissary, yeah. Yeah. All right, people are going to find out the truth that I'm in a place that's falling apart. <laughs> if you see me on camera, I'm this is I'm in the process of a move, so that's what yeah. this mess is. Right, oh yeah, uh, so uh, <laughs> Buffy telling off the Watcher Council. This is the best scene. This got me so pumped. Uh, I didn't know I wanted this scene, and I wanted it. I've rewatched this episode in this specific scene three or four times. I love the way this feels. Has all these great emotions in it. I love Buffy coming into her own power. I love her stating for a fact some things that we know, but like more more clearly than you know I could even think it as far as like what it means to be powerful. It's so well done. This is a great scene. Uh, this mean makes me love. Buffy as a character <laughs> like this is such a great redemption scene for Buffy I mean not that like she was you know we were worried about her or whatever but like after all this stuff with Riley I'm so happy for her to come into her own as a character and like have some real strength and then state it as such like this Watcher Council scene is great uh, yeah I like Buffy's speech a lot but uh, I do feel like this is like a speech ex machina which is great in this episode, but is something that really irritates me now in television. Like, especially calling out the entire Stephen Moffat's run on Doctor Who. We're like, <laughs> we've built these impossible odds. We've done this thing like a character cannot possibly defeat. What are we going to do? We're just going to have him give a speech about how great he is. And it'll scare the aliens away. <laughs> and the same thing fucking happens in Sherlock. It's all it's <laughs> it's like Stephen Moffat like saw this episode of Buffy and was like, Well, that's it. That's the best way to tell a story ever. <laughs> uh, I mean, I get what you're saying. Like it is a little bit weak, but as it's a great storytelling in this. technique. It's, it's just like it's such an overused technique now. It's like it it's something I I like get irritated by but in this episode it perfectly works especially like fighting the council isn't going to like prove your point but like speeching to a organization that's like like uh has just been speeching to you the entire episode like makes sense speeching <laughs> sorry the word speech got stuck in my head no i love it <laughs> I mean, this is also a fantasy that, you know, we all have that we can just speak the right, like, magic combination of words Mm -hmm. and get our way somehow. Like, people will come to our side. Like, it is a bit magical. I didn't, you don't expect this kind of thing to work. And the fact that whatever Travers is just like, all right, I, we discovered a scotch. We discovered (laughs) in our search. It's scotch time. We lose. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, scotch. I do love, like, when she's like... I need an answer from you right now because I think you understand me calling back like his like incredibly like demeaning. Like I think Buffy understands what I'm saying right now thing is like very satisfying. Also, I I don't I actually don't like when her friends cheer uh, (laughs) during her speech. I feel like that undermines the speech to when someone's like, all right, you you'll get what you want. And if everyone goes, yay, (laughs) it's like. Hey guys, you had nothing to stand on. You have no power. You just revealed it with your yay. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's if you talk to the teacher afterwards, you're like, come on, give me, let me t- just take the test again. And it's like, all right, that F is now an A. And you're like, I did it. It's like, I tricked <laughs> you. You run off dancing. <laughs> Maybe I made a mistake. Uh, yeah, that Watcher Council, they are such a mess. I'm, I, <laughs> 
<laughs> and they're like constantly trying to interrupt and no interrupting. Oh, man. And we didn't talk about the physical test, but she totally failed that physical test. That was bad. <laughs> I mean, she was set up to fail, but oof, that was a bad uh, fail. When that asshole complains about, oh, he, she broke my rib. It's like you were fighting the Slayer. What do you think's going to happen? <laughs> Look, she was supposed to protect that dummy. When you put a, like an axe through the dummy, that's it's over. <laughs> like every, every gamer knows that. Uh, so I was saying, uh, Giles got like two, two and a half years of salary all at once, all in one day. That's pretty amazing. And I think his finances were fine cause he bought a store. <laughs> uh, so that is just like pure, like fun cash. He just got, <laughs> yeah, I have a prediction about that. So I'm excited. Uh, all right. Uh, is that it for weird noticings and trivia? I think so. All right, let's move on to questions for the group. Questions for the group. So I, so uh, work reviews are stressful and seemingly <laughs> arbitrary. Have you felt like you've been in Buffy's situation? Sure. Any yeah. Funny I mean, stories? The, the nature yeah. of managers is that they sort of don't understand that your job, not that managers aren't important, but like, the nature of a manager is that they don't understand the minutiae of your job. If they did, they wouldn't be your manager. So yeah. it's always very frustrating. Uh, yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, I feel like work reviews, I agree, because like I've had so many different you know, levels of reviews in my life, and I don't think any of them have ever led to any outcomes that I'm aware of. They're like some ritual rain dance that gets practiced by organizations to quiz everyone about everyone and get everybody stressed out and waste everyone's time to have to collect assessments of people. And then the managers just do what they were going to do anyway. And they don't, right. those, those reviews yeah. don't matter. The if reviews wanna, never actually like change the course. Yeah. Or, I mean, ar arguably is that the point, right? Is the, the reason that you conduct a review is to make people feel, uh, put them on their toes and feel as though their job is not granted that it's uh, something that's always under threat. So you better work a little harder. Is that, is that the purpose of it, rather yes. than gathering information? Yes, work reviews are to exert power and influence and to gather information in order to terminate an employee if, if they do something you do not like. Yeah. I, I mean, the worst is, like, I, I worked at a place where they, uh, it was a school where one year they, they gathered, they, you know, they, they did everybody's reviews, they did everybody's, you know, everybody gets observed in their classrooms, you know, it was a whole bunch of paperwork. Everybody got, like, you know, really, really positive reviews, you know, top marks. And then they fired like seven people anyway. Oh, uh, and it was like, they were like sitting there holding these like glowing reviews and they're like, what did I do wrong? And they wouldn't comment on it. It was awful. Wow. That's bizarre. Yeah. It's yeah. also super strange when you get like, um, a review and somebody in it, like is not your direct manager and like, doesn't like really doesn't know what you do. Like, we'll ask you a question and then we'll be shocked by your answer. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that shouldn't happen. Like, the, the reviewer should know what you do. <laughs> well, they haven't thoughtfully, like, even considered what questions they'll be asking or what the meaning of those questions are, right? Like, yeah. It's yeah, like, it, well, it's how do you ask questions to someone whose job you don't understand? Right. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's sort of meaningless, busy work for them, too. Like, they are probably also sort of bothered to have this extra job to do. Well, the middle manager 
situation is they think what they're doing is meaningful. They think that this stuff has value and that there are levels in a system, but like it can be arbitrarily washed away with an like just a, a hand movement from an executive. So it's like it it can matter, but it most often doesn't. I you know the thing I'm reminded of because I'm going through an MBA course right now online, and like oh. there's a thing about strategy in organizations, and there was a quote from some executive at. Uh, GE, who is saying, like, when I, th- I thought that when I got to that, you know, at large companies, there was a room where strategies took place, where people thought and considered strategies. And then I got to become an executive and there is no such room. And it's like, oh, I think that these things are meaningful, but they're not. Hmm. And anyway, I know we've said this over and over again, but like, wow, this is really I feel like we should have this conversation 10 years ago because like I, I needed <laughs> to know not to freak out about this crap. <laughs> Well, we didn't know it 10 years ago. No, we were like, oh, reviews are important. That's how you get your, you know, 3% raise. That's how you get better. They want you to do better. Uh, Any other arbitrary reviews in real life this feels like? Uh, This is, I, this kind of reminds me of, uh, to me, when my uh, cousin-in-law was, like, applying for his American citizenship. Like, I wrote, like, an essay about him and how well you know how I knew him and how he was part of the family, but it was like, it felt like that felt really arbitrary to me of like, like, like that was kind of assessments that are made by like a government organization. They're like, like, what do they know about your family? Right. And you, how you have to assess like your real relationship with somebody for a government thing. Super weird. Yeah. I've done that too, for pieces sponsorship for some friends. And then also for, uh, yeah, for recommendations for people going to grad school, right? Where you write like a letter on their behalf and it you have no idea how it's going to be utilized. I think it's like, do they have a friend? Is that person have a position of prominence? I, I think the actual content. Remember when you had to go to the Australian embassy, Mike? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they had to call me. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, the Australian embassy Whoa. is super. Anyway, it's a it's super colonial colonial institution. And uh because Travis is a doctor, um, he could verify the the validity of um, well, could that my wife is a human being of of important <laughs> status that could deserve citizenship, and you know that because she's friends with a doctor, and that doctor could uh, be available on the phone to I, I don't know I think they asked you like two or three questions. <laughs> it was like one question. <laughs> Maybe it was two questions. It was very. Does short. this person exist? <laughs> It's wow. like, how do, how do, do you know, know? It's like, how do you know this person? Um, and how do they know Michael? And it was like, I was going into all kinds of detail and stuff. And it was like, oh, okay, great. Thank you very much. It was like, um, <laughs> it was like when Anya says four, she has four names when she was born. And they, they clearly the question is, what is your name? <laughs> yeah. But like, it, it is, that stuff is super high stakes. Like when, when, when we did our uh, immigration stuff, you, you know, you, you just way overcompensate because like, you know, you probably it's, you're giving them way too much information and way too much stuff. Like we gave them all kinds of stuff. Uh, but it's better to be do that obviously than to be caught not giving them enough or like, Oh, there was some little thing they were looking for that they did. You know, it's a, it's so high stakes and so expensive a process and so long a process. And you know, like you don't hear back about it for like six months or whatever. It's. Ugh. Still have stress dreams about it. Yeah. Wow. Well, we, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Life is All full right. of these weird moments 
of like arbitrary reviews. They happen like once every year or two years. And then it's like incredible stress for, but it's unclear what's needed. A lot of these times, like what's important, the the government stuff, like yeah, the bureaucracy stuff, bureaucracy stuff. That's real bureaucracy. The work stuff is like pretending to be bureaucracy, where it's like they pretend that it matters, right. but like ultimately someone makes a decision. Yeah, yeah. I, I I million more examples of this, and I'll stop. That's it for questions. Why don't we move on to themes? Deep stuff. All right, so we saw this opportunity kind of handed to us a little bit. But earlier in the episode, you know, Giles is kind of stammering around the Watcher Council is going to show up and XYZ might happen. At this point, you know, Buffy could give up Giles and move on without the Watcher Council. And should Buffy have given up Giles? Like, what's the value <laughs> he offers? Like, she makes it clear that Buff Giles is valuable to her and it's worth it, but she could have given it up. It feels like at least story-wise that, that this would be a moment for that to happen. Should she have? He's, he's the, what the spirit part of the mega Buffy. I think he was the mind. Yeah, he was the mind. That's right. And Willow was the spirit, which I objected to. That's right. Yeah. And um, Xander was the heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spirit heart. Love his description of that. <laughs> <laughs> A mega um, <laughs> yeah, I something think, also he doesn't bring up like we that the whole like first slayer thing because it's like yeah, and maybe it's something the Watchers Council would be interested in. I mean, maybe it need to be clearer on like what the stakes are here, but right, but like the Watcher Council's like showing up like a bull in a china shop to tell you you have to take a test, and Giles like isn't associated with his organization again, but it like he doesn't control the association. <laughs> it sounds like, and they can just show up. I guess because of the deportation, right? They have the green card uh, sponsorship for him and they'll, he'll be taken back to England. If she just lets him be taken back to England, like this problem gets solved. Um, I think, I don't know. I, I think he's not only necessary now because she's training again, which is a big thing this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's also got so much family stuff going on this season and he's being a really good dad right now. Uh, at least in my opinion. So I think he's necessary. Yeah, he's emotional support. He's a point of stability in her life, I think. I mean, she could give him up. <laughs> but but I I guess I would give him up because he doesn't stand up for the walk to the Watchers Council. So you can tell that he doesn't fundamentally think that the Watchers Council is evil or that they did anything necessarily wrong because they show up and he starts... Um, he treats them with respect and the way the things had, you know, in the season three, episode 12, helpless, uh, this is the, this is, that's the callback episode and we didn't really talk about it, but that this, that's the episode that this episode calls backs to, but he treats them with respect and legitimacy. Like they're a legitimate organization to fight evil, but they are a legitimately evil organization. He has some shame cause he won't look at Buffy a little bit when he says the watcher councils are coming is coming. He like looks off camera like he won't look at her directly. So he has some shame about what happened. But fundamentally, he does not have a problem with what they did to her. And that's a major problem. That's a red flag. Um, even, even though he's been a good support, he clearly still is a part of this world and clearly um, does not think that what they did to her was wrong. 
And so I have a major problem still with Giles. So he doesn't redeem himself at all here. Yeah, that's I mean, my take. I, I, no, that's that. I totally agree with that. That's a that's a real smart, hot, probably a hot take. Yeah, uh, on the Giles Watcher Council situation, because like, what's the value of the Watcher Council? Ultimately, we're allied with them because they're a source of funding. At the end of this, you know, potentially a source of funding since they were paying Giles a salary. We learned. I don't know if we knew that before. There was some kind of financial relationship, but like, and they know a thing about Glory that nobody knew that she was a god, and uh, there's like eight of them or whatever, seven, I don't know, that could help out and like join the team. Like if that happens, that's be great. That would be great. But I feel like they're just going to head back to England <laughs> at the end of this. And yeah. uh, that bothers me because like they could be way more useful as opposed to these like watchers from afar. Um, I don't know. I guess it depends what happens next here. Cause like if the watcher council joins up with the Buffy, the Scooby gang, like then it was worth it if they're like truly an ally, but I, there's such a liability just based on their, their treatment of her and like their, their whatever, their constant testing, which are just trying to kill her. Well, the treatment of her and the treatment of all the slayers, right? It's not like they're just taking this out on Buffy. They would do all those weird things to every other slayer they ever had. So it's yeah. like institutionalized and it's crazy. I mean, I guess it seems like the military now, right? Institutionalized torture, right? Where I mean, I guess it's called training. I think it's torture when you when you drug someone like that. Okay, so two two in favor, one in favor of giving up Giles, two in favor of keeping him. Well, I don't think I would say just give up Giles. I would have just, um, I mean, if Giles was if Giles was a man, there you go. Giles was like a good character. He he at the moment they showed up, he would have grabbed something sharp and just started started attacking the Watchers Council. <laughs> now let's like, be fair. He, the Giles <laughs> does have the like the bigger picture in mind somewhat of like he knows that they have information locked up. He's a coward. Need. He's a coward. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with you. I and think he is a bit cowardly. I think he's more than a bit cowardly. But And he's completely uh, complicit and if it were up to him, if Quentin Travers said, I'm retiring, Giles, you can have my job, Giles would say, okay, I'll be part of that institutionalized oppression. But, I mean, here, here's the deal. Yeah, here's the, I mean, that, that, that's the honest truth. He spent a whole episode with those people, like, letting them do all this weird stuff. Are you kidding me? Like, if, if any one of us did any of the, you know, it, it's not like this Giles is like 12, or 13, where he right. doesn't quite know the difference between right and wrong, or he's just learning about the world here. I mean, this is like basic stuff. They're an evil organization who's tried to kill Buffy on more than one occasion, and has just, um, yeah, absolutely, actually has tried to kill Buffy on more than one occasion, knowing it's actually Buffy. And then one time they tried to kill Buffy when she was Faith. But um, it's, just, it's just so crazy. Like, it's just so crazy that everyone would be so calm and let the Watchers Council interviewed them like it dried it made me feel like i was taking crazy pills because <laughs> if i was there i would have immediately started attacking the watchers council because that's the only thing they understand is power also apparently do not cross me or my friends all right in apparently. real life yeah all right that's great uh let's do some recommendations recommendations 
Um, so because Anya was born on the 4th of July, <laughs> I will recommend Born on the 4th of July. Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it's a good movie. Uh, it's probably Tom Cruise's best acting job. Um, uh, yeah. All right. And because this movie had a British invasion, I'm going <laughs> to recommend A Hard Day's Night. It is the best Beatles movie. Uh, so punny this week. <laughs> I just, yeah, I thought of a couple other things, but I was like, I'll save, I'll save those for later. Um, so, and it looks like uh, there's some other wrecks from other people. Uh, I just wrote in Masterpiece Theater because Buffy references it in her speech. Any I, particular- I have a more serious recommendation. <laughs> yes. I'd like to recommend the uh, Star Trek The Next Generation episode, Coming of Age. Uh, which I feel like is very similar to this, in which Remick, the hateable middle manager Remick from from Starfleet, comes in and gives everybody a review. And there's a very similar uh, scene where they intercut everybody's interviews about Captain Picard. And at the end, Captain Picard realizes the interview is bullshit and gives a speech. It's a very similar episode. Mm. <laughs> and then nice. and later in a separate story, uh, Remick comes back and he has a space monster inside of his belly. Yeah, because we didn't like him the first time. He must be a literal monster. <laughs> All right, uh, let's do us some predictions. Virgin Predictions. Okay, so taking a look, what is going on? Michael, your uh, current accuracy rating. What is What is your magic rating, Michael? Because I can tell you that your accuracy rating is a 63.97% overall. Uh, but for this, uh, this season taken aside, you're at a 70.83%. Well, I think that's at um, ordinary wizarding level. level. Yes. So, so level five, level five wizard. <laughs> <laughs> level two. So let's see how you did uh, in this episode. So... Back in season three, episode seven, this is before we ever met Quentin Travers. Uh, Michael, you predicted that the Watcher Council is concerned with bigger shit than Buffy and Giles. Now, I don't know if it's really, um, you know, this is the final word or anything, but I feel like this is probably denied now because of uh, Buffy's thing that she says to them about like, uh, without me, you're pretty much just watching Masterpiece Theater. I think that implies that their main job is to watch the Slayer and, uh, he, you know, their behavior and their response to Buffy's uh, big speech at the end certainly doesn't imply otherwise. So I, I think at least for now, we should go ahead and deny this. I, I think this remains to be seen. But uh, uh, it sounds like you're saying that this is what the Watcher Council does. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, you know, it's not, I'm not saying they don't have anything else going on, but it does seem like what's going on with Buffy and Giles is their main focus and their and the biggest shit. What do you although, guys think? although they were like, you know, we've got all this information on glory, you know, that's what I thought you were going with this because they have information on glory. So I thought, oh, that's what right. he means. They have. Ah. That's what I thought you were going with that. So I thought we were going to say, oh, this is approved because they have info on glory. Oh, no. I mean, the only reason they're researching glory is because that's Buffy and Giles's. But they were moment. able to pull info that from somewhere because she's not in the books. Right. True. So are you know. guys saying you want to confirm this? I'm trying to be less aggressive with my <laughs> predictions because I realized 
I treat the aggression as humorous, but it hurts people's <laughs> feelings. So uh, let's just let's just not rule on it now. Let's just okay. Wait. We can leave that one open. That's no problem. Okay. Uh, in season four, episode twelve, uh, Michael predicted that Spike will buy a fridge for his blood, although it will be unclear how it will get power. This is uh, very much confirmed in this episode, in which uh, Spike says that there is cold blood in the fridge. We don't see the refrigerator, um, but. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much completely confirmed. Excellent. Spike called it out just for you, Mike. Shit. How is it getting power, though? Yeah, it's unclear. Solar. I guess they're watching TV, too. So. Yeah. yeah, I think he's got a mini Jenny. I think. Yeah, we, we did start- see a generator off in the corner um, a few episodes. Uh, so they're loud. all going to die of carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah. <laughs> Next episode, Buffy buries Dawn. It's never occurred to Spike because he doesn't breathe. <laughs> okay, uh, this one is not uh, confirmed or denied, but I just wanted to bring it up. In season four, episode 15, Michael, you predicted that Giles will punch someone on the Watcher's Council. Uh, it oh, didn't happen, but he specifically thought about it, at least. So he it's not, not a confirmation or a denial. It's just, it's just, it was a close, it was a close call. Close call. Uh, and finally, uh, just a handful of episodes ago, Michael, you predicted that Glory is an angel. And I think her status as a god basically denies that unless anybody wants to argue that angels are gods of a kind no i don't think i so. think angels are like two levels below god right okay so with one confirmation and one denial your overall accuracy has dipped down to a 63.86 and your season accuracy has dipped below the 70 percent mark to a 69.23 thus uh shifting you from c into a d well, I'm going to get it back with these predictions. You'll see. I got new ones. Okay, so first, uh, Spike's going to get his brain sucked out by Glory, and it will remove the chip. I think she can remove it, or it may not be physically removed. Let's just say it doesn't function. Spike, Spike's going to... Gosh, this will probably be two predictions, right? But it's like Spike's going to get hit. She does the brain suck thing with her fingers slipping in, and that will remove the chip from Spike, and he'll appreciate it. And he'll immediately be able to punch her or whatever. But anyway... That would be cool if that happened. Um, I want to predict that Quentin Travers is going to get killed this season just because I want him dead. Uh, Giles is going to do something dumb with the salary cash he gets. Like, <laughs> that's two and a half years of salary all at once. That's something dumb. Yeah. New car? I don't know. I don't know what Giles swag is. Whatever. He's going to get Giles swag. Sh- second shop. More library. <laughs> yeah. Franchise the magic box. Um, the Knights of Byzantium are going to swear allegiance to Buffy. And then my super prediction, Buffy will command those knights into battle against glory. I mean, they're after Buffy because she has the key, but I think they can team up and she can give one of her super speeches or whatever it is (laughs) and uh, redirect their efforts towards glory. She clearly needs help fighting glory. Those knights look pretty rad. Let's send a few hundred. That'd be a great end of season battle to take place. And we just saw a few nights. They're like, we can get hundreds. Like, okay, let's Renfair this thing. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Thank you, Michael. Welcome. What's well, a quiet faces. We're just meditating. <laughs> <laughs> Some of these are really wrong. They're all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. 
I think that's it. Uh, so I want to say that I've been Dennis St. John. Uh, you can find me. I'm Den- at Dennis Comics. That's D-E-N-I-S-C-O-M-I-X on Twitter. Uh, and that's my dot com. Uh, and I'm also on the brand new podcast, The Nevers, uh, where we're going to be reviewing Joss Whedon's new show for HBO, The Nevers, and uh, which isn't going to air for like a year. But we're just doing uh, guesses and news right now. Um, I recorded my first episode last week. Uh, should be up soon. Should be up by the time this is on. Uh, and as always, you can buy my book, my books, The Land of Many Monsters and Many More Monster Tales and Amelia Monsters and Girls book, wherever the Internet is found. Um, and uh, I'm working on new comics uh, that you can read on my Patreon and uh, see samples of on my Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Michael, besides packing up, are you up to anything? I'm just packing right now. I'll, I'll have more time for life again in September. <laughs> All right. Which might be when this airs. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, it's it's not really a plug, but uh, I, can we talk about the fact that one of our guests was on uh, Judge John Hodgman? Oh yeah, a <laughs> uh, friend, a guest, friend of the pod, and all around good human, Jason uh, Cooper was on an episode of Judge John Hodgman where he ruled on whether his kids could use a Ouija board or not. <laughs> So uh, it was a really good episode. I listened to it, but I'm yeah. mostly really excited about this. I mean, I'm, I, I love uh, John Hodgman. I listen to his podcast regularly, but my main excitement about this is that John Hodgman was on the The Ampy Giants podcast doing his character of the deranged millionaire, which puts all of us only two podcast degrees away from the Ampy Giants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really happy about that. That makes me really excited. That's awesome. Yeah, you guys should uh, check that episode out. It's really funny. I think the ruling will surprise you. It certainly surprised Jason and upset him. (laughs) It is really good. (laughs) All right. Uh, Thank you one and all for listening and talking to us at Buffy Virgin. Uh, You can visit our website, BuffyVirgin.com, for links to our blog, our YouTube, our Twitter, and Instagram, uh, where you can see original monster drawings by me. Uh, Reach out. We love to hear from you. And don't forget to rate and review us on the podcast listener of your choice. And we'll see you in hell.